Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the doctors as they travel the vortex. Grab your temporal law book. It's episode 532. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How is everybody this week? Oh, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. (laughs) It's been hectic. It's that time of year. Seems seems like we've been trying to get together to record a uh, episode for about three weeks now, and to no avail. But here we are, finally together again. You guys, did you guys do anything fun in the interim? We adopted Shy. Oh, congratulations! Congratulations. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to steal your thunder. No, that was way better than what I was going to (laughs) say. Uh, yeah, after uh, six years, it's finally official. So that's uh, yay us. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. How's it feel to be a dad? Officially. Um, yeah, I don't know that it's sunk in yet. I mean, nothing's, you know, really changed other than the legality of it. So that was yeah, kind of cool and, you know signed yet another batch of papers but beyond <laughs> that it, <laughs> it was it was a little uh I, I don't want to diminish i don't want to diminish the process because obviously it's a, you know it's a good thing and it's a, a you know for obviously this is um uh national adoption month and so for anybody out there you know I, I don't want to diminish it at all but for us it was just very much like a whole bunch of legal people patting themselves on the back that uh you know hey yeah look what this good thing that we did is do you want to take some photos and we're kind of like sure because you know you guys have been dragging your feet for six years (laughs) (laughs) but yeah let's take some photos why not but no it's uh it's a good thing so we're happy shy's happy i cannot complain well, nothing I got can top that. So, um, Keith, hey, I can't really top that either. Black Panther, <laughs> Wakanda Forever, isn't that good a conversation? <laughs> but you oh saw yeah, it, though. Oh yeah, we well, did. See I it. saw that too. Okay, so it was good. We've all seen it. We're on the same plane. We all... This is this is a first for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I loved it. I thought it was uh, quite enjoyable. I don't know that I enjoyed it as, first, as much as the first one. The first one is kind of unique in, in, in its own way, but I think this one did a uh, tremendous job with filling the Chadwick Boseman size hole that was left uh, behind with his death. And I think that uh, I think the moves that are taken in this story were exactly what needed to be done in light of that. Yeah, I agree, and it, it, and I think it's different in its own way too. Um, it definitely it doesn't really feel like a Marvel movie either, and I think that's to its benefits. Um, unlike Eternals, where depending on who you ask, it kind of that can go either way on if it was to his benefit or not. But this, I felt like it almost felt just more like um, like just a normal movie more than a a Marvel superhero movie. I think that's the the grief overtone throughout the whole story gave it such a different flavor. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I think it was interesting that it, it wound up being as meta um, as it was in taking the loss of Chadwick and, and working that into, 
you know, everybody grieving for T'Challa and then subsequently the the journey that everybody goes on one character in particular, I'm still going to be kind of cryptic here because I don't want to spoil anything for those of you that still have not made it out to see it. Um, but uh, working that into it didn't really yeah. kind of, uh, that it anybody, worked out extremely well, I think for did, plot purposes. Did anybody know that that was coming? That he was in nope. this? Yeah, that was. No, no. <laughs> I was very, very pleasantly surprised by that cameo. Done really well too. Yeah. But no, I, I agree with you. It's not probably still just a half step, maybe a step below the first one. But otherwise, it was really well done, and uh, Namor worked. But again, I'm, I'm the guy that doesn't know anything about comics. Anymore. Yeah, it, it's. It, I just I, the thought occurred to me while watching it the the stark differences between this really illustrates the stark differences between Marvel and DC of how DC handled Aquaman and how Marvel has handled Namor because they're essentially. On the surface, they're the same character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they took them in such different directions. I I really like how Marvel handled them. I, I agree, and I think Marvel did the right thing. Now that being said, had Aquaman not made it to film before Namor, I think that we probably would have seen a more stylized uh, Namor like. Aquaman. I think it would have been a, a lot more similar to the way they took they did Aquaman on film had it not already been done. I think that we would have seen very something very similar. Uh, we certainly wouldn't. Have. I, I'm so glad they changed the name from Atlantis. I'm so glad that mm-hmm. they they uh, kind of take took the Mesoamerican origins and kind of made it part of the the uh, the mythos of the character. Uh, but I none of that. I don't think any of that would have. I think that their their hand was forced on that. I don't think anything would have, any of that would have happened had Aquaman not you know made it screen yet. If if DC or if Marvel had been first, I think we'd have seen a whole different Namor than we saw. I'd be very curious to read the original script. Apparently, um, Ryan Coogler commented that uh, in one of the many interviews that he's been giving this month, there apparently was a draft um, uh, of. Wakanda Forever that was sent to a Chadwick, but he was in such poor health that nobody knew at the time that he did not get a chance to read it. Yeah, mm. and that after he sent it, it was like three weeks later that he was gone, and so that obviously forced a whole series of rewrites. Um, but I'd be kind of curious to know what survived from that original draft in terms of Namor and the Atlanteans or not. As they wound up becoming, but I think it was—I think it was a gorgeous uh, move to didn't, do it the way they did it. Didn't Aquaman come out even before all of that oh, happened? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah no, no. So. But I just—I just—I wonder if if that had because I know that Namor was in the original. That that's kind of yeah, something yeah, that they've yeah. been planning from from the get go. Right. Um, but I, I wonder how much of that. If I, would assume, I, I would assume. We, I would assume that's probably changed. Yeah, I, I assume that that probably all that all of that probably was the same. I don't. I don't imagine we would have seen Namor different in that treatment of the script. But although uh, what would have been different, I think would probably would have been T'Challa's reaction to well, yeah, yeah. Namor. Well, and entirely he wouldn't have gotten that connection with right. that he did. In the movie, entirely how you know who he dealt with as well, I think would have obviously been different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, and I'm excited now to uh, see whatever the uh, uh, Disney Plus series they've got that's going to spin off of that uh, coming out in a few years. I'll be interested to see how that goes. So, Ironheart. No, uh, well, that one too. That was the that was the one thing that I'm glad you brought that up. No, I'm talking about the Wakanda spinoff. There's a one with the the uh, oh, I think uh, Akoya and. Mm. Uh, oh, I don't remember who the other gal I think are in it. Uh, no, uh, yeah, Ironheart. I'm glad you said something. That uh, a lot of people are commenting on how Riri Williams didn't have to be in this film, and I and I I think I can agree with that. I think you could have easily taken that character out, but on the flip side, they didn't do a job of forcing her into it. They gave her a reason to be there. She was the one that you know engineered that technology and so her being the scientist made a lot of sense um i think that she's a bit underused but i think they also made that choice because she'll have her series coming up on disney plus next year and so i think they knew that they really just were kind of testing the not even testing the waters they were just giving us laying the groundwork yeah they were laying the groundwork they were giving us a a a, um you know a a introduction light before we got more of her story in, in uh, the TV series. So um, I, I, I did, it did feel like she was a little underused, but I, I think I, I, I'm going to give them a pass because of, of what I just said. Yeah. It was a pretty full script all the way around with everything else that was going yeah. on. So I don't know that there's a whole lot more that you could have done other than, you know, uh, the, the necessary introduction. I mean, technically from a screenplay standpoint, you're absolutely right. This could have been, pre-existing technology there, there, there's a lot of finagling of the pieces that could have very easily been we didn't need this character but by doing it in the way that they did it allowed them to kind of give a soft introduction before the show comes on which is no different than what uh, you know age of ultron did with so many of the, the pieces that it set in motion um with uh, you know kind of setting up four three and uh uh, well, even the more of the Thanos connections and uh, Black Panther and Claw. And, I mean, there's so many little seeds that are planted throughout Age of Ultron. I think this one did it better. But it's a Marvel movie, so you've got to expect those layers upon layers. Yeah. Hi, I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry. And my name is Barry Williams. Together, we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from 1 to 13, and that's our doctor. Then 1 to 300 for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time round. Putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories, so you don't have to. You're listening to Travelling the Vortex. All right, well, let's move on uh, with uh, the news of the week. Big news, we got a uh, new announcement. A companion has been announced. Millie Gibson will play Ruby Sunday. <laughs> what a name. Almost almost sounds like a uh, Bond girl. <laughs> keep wanting to say Ruby Tuesday. Ruby Tuesday. <laughs> Goodbye, Ruby. We can say hello, Ruby Sunday. Um... <laughs> 
yeah, it doesn't look like she has uh, a lot on her belt. She seems like she's pretty young, but uh, she's been on Coronation Street, and she got the Best Young Performer Award at the British Soap Opera Awards earlier this year. And then she's been on ITV's Butterfly, BBC's Love Lies in Records, and then on uh, CBBC's series Jamie Johnson. So uh, exciting that the the uh, the pieces are being put in place, and it sounds like she also, I think I, I understood it right, uh, is joining in the last special, right? Did I understand that correctly? I never saw a clear word on that, so you could be right. I don't remember where I read that. The The article that I have up here doesn't have anything about that now, but somewhere I had a, a quote from Russell that I thought he said that she would be making her debut at the same time as Judy. Huh. I'll be darned. And I can't find it now, so I may be wrong on that. Either way, we'll get her. We'll get to, to meet her soon. She couple is years young. From now, she but... is 18 years old. 18, <laughs> wow. How old was Billy Piper when she took the role? Was she 19 or 20? I don't know. I'd have to do some math. (laughs) (laughs) I I saw a comment somewhere that somebody had uh, said that uh, her, either her birthday or her one year, her, her one year birthday was like the day after Eccleston regenerated into tenant. And I went, no. <laughs> I mean, it maybe it's true. I don't know. I can't make the math work in my head. <laughs> it can't have been that long ago, it right? It can't have been that long ago. But, I mean, we, we, we joke all the time about, you know, oh, this, the new series is X number of years old. And we all kind of laugh and go, yeah, can't be that old, can it? <laughs> so maybe it is, but wow. <laughs> Crazy, huh? Hello fellow time travelers and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whit, and every two weeks or so I'm joined by a two to three person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979, that would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Allison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point podcast. All right, well, let's move on to our review of uh, Temporal Logbook 3. A traveler in eternity, the Doctor has touched countless lives, bringing salvation to some and agony to others, but always making a difference. Take them one at a time. I think we should. But we won't do them in Doctor Order. Let's do them in uh, the order of the book. book order. <laughs> yeah, it'll be, it'll be easier that way. <laughs> this is one of those few order. times, though, where there's a anthology book that that uh, shakes up the uh, the order of the doctors. Seems like most of them tend to go in order of doctors. So, which you know, for the record, I have no problem with that. That's no. great. Yeah. Did anybody else have a moment of whoa, what? By jumping into a fifth doctor story. 
<laughs> well, not only jumping into a fifth doctor story, but a fifth doctor story involving a first doctor companion. Yeah. Yeah. Just... Good point. Yeah. Well, the first one is These Unwelcome Guests, A Tale of the Fifth Doctor by Luke Dyer. What'd you guys think? I like this one quite a bit. I did as well. I thought it was uh, I thought it was well written. I thought it had a, a fun plot. I enjoyed. I don't know if the, I'd call it fun. Yeah. Well, maybe fun is not the word I was looking for. <laughs> a satisfactory adventure. I. I thought I, I enjoyed it. I, I it was an interesting take on revisiting a companion. Uh, years down the road, I think my problem perhaps was it with it was the the doctor being so at least seemingly being so headstrong to go back and try to fix it. You know what I mean? Or or yeah, seemingly trying to go back and fix it. And was it is it Polly's the yeah? Is it mm-hmm. no? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, Dodo. yeah, Polly. Yeah. Dodo. Well, it was Dodo, but uh Polly's the one that came a visitor, wasn't it? Who was uh, oh, yeah. uh who was with her that was trying Oh, uh was Tegan, right? Ben, no. right? Was it Tegan? <laughs> who was the one that who was the one that who, who is the companion that was trying to pretty much convince him not that it wasn't a good idea to go It was Tegan, yeah. No, it was uh, Turlo. No, it was Turlo. Oh, it was Turlo. Yes, I'm sorry. It was Turlo. Yeah, yeah it was you know Turlo uh, dre- desperately trying to convince the doctor that it was not a good idea. It just felt a little out of character, even for the fifth doctor, who I think could be stubborn and headstrong in his own sort of way, not not sixth doctor way, but <laughs> you know fifth doctor in his own way. But it, I, to me, that just there was it. It was a little out of character for the fifth doctor for me to be that you know. What am I looking for? He it was almost he was being reckless, and I felt like he was maybe I could see the doctor maybe being a little reckless, and then kind of realizing sooner that you know what he was attempting to do wasn't a good idea, and it didn't require uh, you know a Turlo to to convince him otherwise, and of all people to have Turlo convincing that he was doing something uh, <laughs> wrong was was an interesting <laughs> choice as well, but. Um, Overall, I thought the story was good, and it was an interesting look on a past companion in the future. And I think the 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 author here tries to, I think tries to apologize for the way that I think Dodo's treated, um, especially with the unceremonious dumping of the character. But it just somehow didn't didn't work. Maybe because it was the fifth Doctor. Maybe if there had been, say, uh, maybe if the twelfth Doctor or the sixth Doctor had been in this position, I could see them being a little more, uh, at least you know, stalwart about it. I just it didn't feel right for the fifth Doctor. Yeah, I could see I could see that being a little odd for the fifth Doctor. For me, it, it kind of gets a, a little added bump by when I read it. Um, I read it a couple days or the day that I watched Power of the Doctor. 
So I had all those nice companions coming back with the support group at the end of it. And then this story in the back of my mind of, oh, poor Dodo. So it, <laughs> it hit the feels, made the story hit the feels a little stronger and made me appreciate the story a little more. You had briefly uh, mentioned that when we were reviewing it, I remember. Yeah. yeah I feel like I got to disagree with Glenn. I think the, the, the fifth doctor, this is set at an interesting time in, in their timeline. Um, you know, we, we open and he's rummaging through this box of goodies and uh, Turlo kind of makes a, I don't remember if it's an actual comment or if it's a passing reference to the fact that Tegan has left yeah, to, it, to kind it, of set where, where we're at in the timeline here. It certainly was right after Tegan left. Yes. And so he, he's, he's just had Tegan left. Um, you know, Nissa has left and Adric, that's still something that I think well, is Adric, Adric haunting. Didn't, Adric didn't leave. You know, he, he, <laughs> he involuntarily left. <laughs> That's not even accurate. He stayed behind to pilot the ship. <laughs> but you know, there, there's a there's a hole there, and I think we get accustomed to the 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 foppish charm of the Fifth Doctor, um, and and don't necessarily focus too much on the the anguish elements of him and and this is kind of hitting right at that bump a bump a bump and he he, he is uh, like tardis he's drifting and turlo recognizes that because turlo spent so much time drifting so i thought it was a, a good pairing of those two at that point in time to to you know i could i could see the fifth doctor doing this very easily i you know and, and while he you know if one of the now, it's interesting you said it was uh, Tegan earlier, because if Tegan had been the companion in this story, she'd have talked him out of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she'd have badgered him out of it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Well, she would have been more poignant about it. <laughs> Turlo, yeah. Turlo seemed to be soft, softly trying to convince the Doctor, at, the, at least at first, that it wasn't a good idea. Well, and Turlo's still recognizing that, you know, he's on unsteady ground in a way with right, the doctor right. because of his background. So th that, those are, I think are all elements that kind of piecemeal together made it work for me that it was like, yeah, I can totally see the fifth doctor doing this. This is when, you know, he strides off doing his, I'm going to do something. And it's like, mm, do we think that's a good idea or not? <laughs> see, I, I likened it to, when in when we did the uh, Time Lord Victoria story arc, when the Tenth Doctor goes off and becomes, you know, very un Tenth Doctor like, and I just I felt the same way here that 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 five was just being very un Fifth Doctor like, and I just, it just didn't work. Hmm. Your reasoning yeah, I, behind why he did it is sound, Sean. I will give you that. I can see why it, it doesn't have a problem with you. You know. But it just there's there is nothing in the fifth. Well, I suppose was that story that we did Axis something Axis. Axis of Infinity. That's it. Axis of Infinity had the Doctor kind of go off the deep end a bit. The fifth Doctor go off the deep end. Oh no, wait, is that the one with? Is that the really horrible one that none of us liked? Yeah, the one with the alternate timelines that that dump into like a repository, and it, it was a bit. It was a bit flippant with its realities, but yeah. 
That's not the creeper one with uh, Aaron Aaron, Aaron, Aaron. No, that's the one I was thinking. Well, it had Aaron in it. I don't think so. It had Aaron in it. I don't think it was a creeper one. No, I don't think it was a creeper one. Whatever, either way, but yeah, just out of out of character. We we have reached the age where they all blend together. I Let's can't move. wait to go back and redo this whole podcast <laughs> from, from day one, because it'll all be new to me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to Lament, A Tale of the War Doctor uh, by uh, somebody we all know, Sean Collins. Yeah, I think you I you copied this. You copied this for something. I read this before this. I don't. I read this somewhere before. He had well, you, got, you, you, you got an advanced copy of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it. Yeah, I had proofed it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> No, I I, I said I really familiar. It, it had yeah, been that, such that, that Sean no, is such a hack. But but on it, yeah, honestly, it had been so long ago that I started reading it, and I did initially go, "Why did, why is this familiar?" And then it occurred to me that, and I this actually before I even knew your name was on. I mean, I just I didn't pay that close attention when I got to it, and I was like, "Why does this sound familiar?" And then it occurred to me, "Oh wait, this is Sean's story." Okay, uh, now I remember. I've already read this. <laughs> uh, I, I well, we, we we'll just say it publicly. I commend you on this story. This is this is a really good yeah. story, and I think what is. I like most about it is it has the war doctor address what his role in everything is. He gets to, he sort of steps back and gets a, a grave look at why and what he's doing. And I think that's something that they, nobody's really kind of done with the war doctor, at least in, in things that we've reviewed or uh, been you know in, in experience with so far there may be others out there that have done that but i think you do a nice job of allowing the, the war doctor to sort of step back and see you know maybe give him a bit of a, 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 a re-energizing him for why why what he's doing is the right thing to do the wrong thing to do at the right time if that makes any yeah, sense yeah very, very much so. It was. Uh, I mean, everybody has. When, when you when you do fan fiction, you always kind of go, "Well, wouldn't it be cool if?" And you you kind of come up with that moment. I want to do the moment just before this moment that we all know because that's been a story. Right. So you want to do this moment, and and that was one of the inputs to kind of go is like you know what finally made him decide enough is enough, and it's time to drag the moment out of the the archive. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not some big bombastic thing. It's some. It's a quiet moment with another person with mourning. The grieving. Yeah, yeah, and and the the grief of the time war and this giant cemetery planet and the ramifications of just that idea alone is enough to kind of send him off to go do it. But then his interactions with her is an, is also adds fuel to that fire. Yeah. So it, I thought it was all. All very well handled. Yeah, thank you. I was a little worried that maybe I was going to come across as corny. Oh no, the, no. The, the actual, you know, it's one thing that I, you you can throw all kinds of stuff at the doctor and he can take it, but then to have somebody else try and verbalize that grief, you know, I, yeah. did, I didn't know if that was going to no. work or not. So, um, no, I no, I don't think so at all. Um, my only critique. And I may, I maybe maybe have maybe said this when I uh, was 
uh, proof in it for you the first time, but I think, and this isn't just you, this, there is a lot of authors in this book that, that are guilty of this. I think that you are sometimes guilty of overstating things, uh, maybe over describing things. You're being a little too descriptive about things. And it's, it's not just you. Uh, there are, there are probably at least a handful of authors in this that will come across that I, I feel like got a little too, not quite Stephen King wordy, but a little too wordy with their, you know, descriptors, you know, I think just trying to be Stephen King. Right. And I think that it, 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 some, some things could be, some things need to be painted a picture needs to paint, be painted by words in somebody's mind in order to convey a scene or a element within the story. But I think also some people kind of unnecessarily push that. I don't think you were as bad. There there are moments where I felt it, but there were moments where obviously you just kind of got to the point. But I think that, that some writers can be guilty of kind of overemphasizing uh, the narrative of, of what, what I'm supposed to be looking at or feeling at the time. And, and, uh, you, uh, to be honest, you're a little guilty of that occasionally in here. I, I wouldn't say the whole thing's that way, but when you're painting a picture, you're using lots of colors. <laughs> I, I never met a descriptor. I didn't like, um, <laughs> Yeah, no, you're, again, you're, you're not wrong. And uh, uh, that is something that I, I, I tend to, I tend to write, I think the same way that I write when, when we do short films, I tend to write the script and it's this, and then you have to put the producer hat on and say, no, we can't afford a car crash and a giant robot. It's a five minute short film that we're doing with our buddies behind the garage. <laughs> you know, there's no way to film that. Um, and in, in many ways, uh, I, am, I am very grateful for our, uh, our wonderful editor, Mr. James Sylvester, because, yes, the first draft was even wordier. <laughs> and uh, he, he, he kind of reined me in a little bit. So you're not wrong. All right. Well, let's move on to the next I'm glad one. You guys liked it. Yes, very much so. Uh, the New Doctor, A Tale of the Twelfth Doctor by Paul Burns. I'm trying to remember what happened to this. It's been, it's been so many weeks since I read this. I think this is the uh, one where. Oh, it's yeah, the girl. It's the it's the, the, the student. He's, yeah, he's yeah. teaching at the university. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, and he he picks up this quasi companion for a trip, and um, she kind of they, they wind up switching brain minds yeah. for a little bit yeah that's yeah and then things i'm trying to remember that's that's all i remember of but there, there was some sort they they went off to one planet uh for him well he he went off to go take care of something at a planet which was really kind of a minute thing it was it was a simple task for him but she ended up stowing away inadvertently stowing away she just kind of followed him in and he didn't of course much like the child in that one story with the son that was going nova he uh he didn't realize <laughs> that she was there but also sort of did realize she was there kind of that weird aloof uh moment that that he has sometimes 
but uh, yeah, she so she they ended up there and they didn't she they picked up some sort of mind parasite or whatever that that is what switched their ideas or switched their their personas basically. And but what I, what I thought was cool about it was the fact that she's she's actually suffering from uh, she cancer right and so yeah uh, she she's living her last days and she's also had this you know falling out with her mother who never really understood um, when she her was transitioning, transitioning. and mm-hmm. so I thought it was really kind of cool that she sort of got to live out a life that maybe would have, you know, she got a moment to really kind of be a hero and, and, and escape from uh, the, I don't know, the, 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 the realities of what was happening uh, to her and, and the anguish that she was feeling that you don't get, you don't, you don't really even get that from her until much later in the story that, that she's going through this. And she just seems like this, yappy young interesting lady that you know is very interested in what the doctor has to say and it it really comes around just full circle and and i really really like that i also liked and i had to go uh i really did have to go investigate this a little bit i do like that she met the one gal that played a well uh, i don't know if you guys know this the actress that she meets that she says that just got a part because i think they went to back to 80 something 1980 something that had just gotten a part a role on on i think it was coronation street uh she apparently that actress played a trans character that uh which i think she's the first trans character on a soap opera in the uk at least and Mm. the character later down the road ends up with a terminal cancer and her final story deals with her I don't. I, uh, it's not assisted suicide. It's um, basically the the you know being able to the right to take your own life when you know that you have nothing left. So uh, that that's kind of the, the nod to that when she's talking about that. I had to go kind of investigate that a little more because I thought this person must be somebody significant in real life, and, and that's that's who it is. I can't remember the actress's name now. I I could when I looked it up like two or three weeks ago, but. I, I like the fact that, you know, a young version of her, of Eden, is at this event and is rescued by the doctor. And that kind of is also what sets her on this path. Right, uh, right. That was a nice, uh, a very nice bootstrap. Right. I had forgotten about that, that she was sort of evolved, involved that way. <clears throat> I, I do yeah. like that the mother didn't get a pass either at the end when, mm-hmm. when she comes it, because it so easily could have been the uh, the doctor sympathizing with her because, you know, she's realized that it's it's too late and that she, you know, didn't connect with her daughter sooner. And, and I like that the doctor didn't really give her a pass on that. Still made her understand how terrible... Uh, her actions were in her daughter's life. So I, I was kind of grateful for that because a lot of times these stories defer to this whole giving a little bit of sympathy to that character, even though they were too late to realize how you know important their child was or whatever. That was probably, the, the for me, that was some of the strongest part of the story was when the 12th doctor was the 12th doctor it it just oozed peter capaldi 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he just, you know, he, he was there in the inflections and the tone and the mannerisms and uh, very much, you know, came right off the page. And that scene in particular, yeah, I can imagine those attack eyebrows being furrowed very disapprovingly at this woman. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, the, the downside of the overall story is we don't get the third, uh, the twelfth doctor as the twelfth doctor for very much in it. Right. It's kind of the bookends of it all since they switch personas halfway th- or midway through. Well, let's move on to technical advisor: A Tale of the Third Doctor by Matthew. I'm going to say his name wrong, but it's I think it's Kressel. I think that's how you say it. This was a hoot. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I both had fun reading this one, and also, it, it, the overall I had, resolution of it, I felt disappointed by. Yes, yeah, and it, the villain yes. of it, I felt disappointed by. Absolutely. But the ride leading up to that, I absolutely loved. Agreed, hundred percent. That's that's where I land with it. It just it's it's not a good story once you get to the end of it. Because then it's just a, a revenge plot and, a, and a, a guy who thinks that his son's weak because <laughs> it just, yeah, the resolution, it was it was almost like there was a good story in the making here and then the villain became very run-of-the-mill and I, that, that was disappointing, but I, I did enjoy the ride. I, I would agree that, that it was a lot of fun going along. And imagine well, being being, you know, the, the the director obviously it's revealed is is the bad guy in this but imagine being that producer where you know you're just <laughs> somebody's funneling you money to just write you know <laughs> a science fiction story <laughs> about some events that you know you're just being fed the information and cashing the check later <laughs> i really suspected the master was, so was going oh, to be revealed yeah. as yeah. The, the the power behind the scenes right. because it just seemed like such a nutty Roger Delgado plot that he was going to show up right at the end and go, yeah, I gotcha. And, you know, or I needed them to build this ship so that I could do this. And, right. you know, it, it felt so very much like a third doctor story until we got to the resolution. And I don't know if that maybe, maybe tempered some of my disappointment with the way that it was resolved. And I had to kind of keep reminding myself that, you know, the theme of the entire series is changed lives. So it's not just going to be a regular doctor who story. There has to be an impact of somebody uh, with uh, you know how the doctor for for better or for worse uh meddled with and, and and impacted their lifespan um but that's that's the only downside to it it's it, it just the a good story in the making you're you're so it was so close it was right there because it was so much fun and it was so again so much very steeped in the in the era felt like the third doctor it sounded like him and liz and well, it was uh, so cool having a story set later where Liz is coming back. Yeah. And he even references uh, Sarah, I think. Uh, I he said, he, he referenced Joe for sure. Was it, was it Joe? I don't think he referenced Sarah. But it felt like I it was assumed, almost in between that. Yeah, I assumed it was between Joe, Joe Grant. Sarah, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Um, I think though that, and and these certainly don't have to. I mean, these are these are charity pieces and forgive me but for all intents and purposes they're kind of you know glorified fan fiction but i don't think that that would necessarily gel with 
the fate of Liz and other, you know, uh, pros, but I don't think it has to. It's <laughs> how much pros and, and uh, extended universe stuff contradicts each other anyway. How many times have we found Atlantis? Right, right. That's true. Well, that's in the show proper, too. Yeah. <laughs> How many times has the Earth been destroyed by solar flares? <laughs> yep. Solar flare, that's what I meant. Not to Nova, sun going Nova, what I was talking earlier. All right, well, let's move on to the heart of the matter, which is a tale of the sixth Doctor. And this was written by... Uh, forgive me, authors, if you're listening to this and I'm butchering your names, but uh, Greg Mugan? Mugan? Mugan, maybe? Um, Frobisher. You don't get much with Frobisher <laughs> these days. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> this, this guy, he, he brought Frobisher back. Albeit not, you know, I mean, the, the Sixth Doctor and Frobisher, to be quite frank, are minor characters in this story they're they're very well the sixth doctor for sure is certainly very important to this story uh because he keeps re-encountering this guy but i mean they're they they really kind of take sick second fiddle to everything that uh is happening to this guy and i can't tell if that's a good thing or not <laughs> like part of me feels like it seems like this author was given, okay, here, you write a Sixth Doctor story. And the guy goes, man, why did I draw that short straw? Okay, I'm just <laughs> not going to have a minute much. Right, right. And I'm not saying I don't like the Sixth Doctor. I like the Sixth Doctor just fine, but most fan, most of fandom doesn't. I mean, the people who like him and would want to write about him are, I think, fairly a small minority. So that's kind of why, I, I don't know if that, that, impression of fandom having that impression of him is giving me having me put that imprint on the story but yeah the doctor is barely in the story i think the only thing i could counter to that because i i see your point and i think you might be right to a point the only thing i would counter that is when the doctor does show up it very much is the sixth doctor he very much has the characteristics of six and i think that this guy captures that really well and so the, I, you you may still be right. He may have decided, to, and, and maybe he's just putting the stereotypical elements to the Sixth Doctor in these short briefs, and maybe that's that was a way, you know, to kind of to cheat or get around having to write for this Doctor. But he certainly does get the Sixth Doctor right. Yes, he does. And he does write a good story. It's very enjoyable of this guy's life going throughout the universe. And I, I don't know about you. I think you're using the wrong word there, too. I don't know if that was enjoyable. I mean, it was, it was, a, it was a joy to read it, but it wasn't an enjoyable uh, Well, his life se. wasn't enjoyable. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, his, his life certainly was not enjoyable. Yeah, the dude has the worst luck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Talk about a series of misfortunate incidents. You, you were born under a bad sign, my friend. Now, to be fair, he did... He was trying to get out of the type of life that he was leading, to be fair. But he wasn't trying really hard because he, especially in that last time when he's going, oh, just one more job and then I can get out of this. And I thought, no, just turn around and walk away now. You should have known better by now. Look at everything that has happened to you so far. Just walk away. You don't have to do this last job. Just disappear 
<laughs> just don't leave a trace behind and just go somewhere and live a quiet life. It's, a, it's that gambling uh, uh, addiction. Uh, <laughs> yeah. like, maybe this will be the hand. Yeah. Just one more right. hand. This, one this will be the slot hand. machine that pays off. One more I'll, quarter. I'll hit sevens this time. Yeah. No, it's it's a good story. It's well written, um, and uh, I don't ha- I don't have a bad thing to say about it. Yeah, my only complaint is that the doctor wasn't in it enough, but it's structured and presented in a way that it. it if it weren't the sixth doctor, I would probably wouldn't think as much on it. But yeah. because it is, it makes me go, oh, I bet that was why they he wrote it that way. All right, let's move on to The Last Tomb, A Tale of the Eleventh Doctor by Allison Winter. Um, I really enjoyed this one, too. I, I, but, of course, it's an Eleventh Doctor. Well, uh, when <laughs> I, I thought I, of you when I was reading it. <laughs> when I started, yeah, I really enjoyed this, too. But when I when I was reading this story, my, my first inclination was, oh, Keith's going to like this because... And then I thought, well, maybe I'm just defaulting to the fact that it's Eleventh Doctor and it's, that's his Doctor. But the more I read it, this it this story is very much what you like about the Eleventh Doctor era. I think I may oh, be misspeaking, yeah. but no, this, yeah, it definitely is. This story really kind of captures the Time Team in such a way that they. I mean, it, it, this could have been an episode in the Eleventh Doctor's uh, series, one of his three series uh it very much felt like an 11th doctor episode of the show to me and i think i kept thinking i know what this is why keith likes this because this is the all of the elements about that era that i can see keith you know fell in love with and so i thought the same thing yeah it ticks all those boxes of everything i love from the 11th doctor's era plus it's i think it's got a a nice story to it uh especially about around Leonard and all of the stuff he's going through and him kind of trying to get back together with his, his kids and all of, all of there's, there's a lot more, it's not just fun. There's emotion there too, which helps lift the story up. This one for me was, it, it, it ramps up, like it starts off and it kind of does its thing. And then suddenly it just kind of, it starts to shift into gear and it just accelerates and it doesn't let off all the way to the end. Um, and it, in some ways it reminded me of rings of Akaton, Akahatan, whatever that one is. Um, because it kind of has that same energy where, you know, it starts off and it's just an adventure, but then as the plot thickens and this, you know, big level threat comes and it becomes this swelling course of emotion at the end of that episode that's what this one really reminded me of and uh you're you're right Glenn. this just wow did this cement the 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 companions of the 11th doctor perfectly into their roles and how everybody would react to things and the absolutely heartbreaking idea of this planet tearing itself apart and you know this just just one thing just take one thing just to yeah. salvage it and and not being able to i mean it's it's like 
I don't know. It's like the the, the library at Alexandria all over again. I mean, yeah. it's to that level. Of, you know, I'm still upset over that, and I wasn't around for it. It's to that <laughs> level of uh, oh no, um, and and through it all is the Eleventh Doctor and the the pitch perfect um, tones that uh, that that came from him, uh, and the wonderful twist at the end when Leonard is what was all this just to you know teach me a lesson yeah yeah and you suddenly went oh no 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 <laughs> isn't it you know isn't it fascinating though that's what I liked about this story that a lot of times the doc not a lot of times sometimes the doctor is putting people in situations to sort of make them rethink or think about their themselves or reflect on themselves or teach you know i mean christmas carols are a very good example of or teaching a, a lesson um this is one of those situations where it's not it's the doctor lesson. it's it's the universe <laughs> i i really believe that the universe had a hand in making sure leonard was on this trip and the doctor had nothing to do it was a completely unintentional on the doctor's part and this was the universe teaching or, or or illustrating a point to Leonard. And I think he does learn something from it, even though that lesson doesn't come directly from the 11th Doctor. It comes from the situation he's thrust upon uh, in the end. And, and I liked it. I thought it was good. Yeah. Yeah, one more for the TARDIS taking him where he needs to be. Right, right. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Kiss of the Dibbuck. Uh, Tale of the Fourth Doctor by Russell McGee. Oh, I... this was the the submarine one. Yeah, was it a sub? Wasn't it? Uh, well, I, just, it was I assumed boat. it was a boat it was a or boat. freighter. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> I was gonna say I I didn't get anything that said sub, but maybe it was, and I just didn't. Yeah. Um, it opened on a sub, but the Fourth Doctor was not on a sub. He was on the freighter. Yeah. So okay. I enjoyed this I story. Think. I think that I figured out very early on in which character the Dybbuk was um, uh, possessing or, or inside of. Uh, so there was no surprise there. My biggest complaint about this story, I, 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 my biggest complaint about this story is it's, it's very horror fan rock. Don't get me wrong. Horror mm -hmm. fan rock is a fantastic story. But it's one of those stories where the, the, the doctor and the companion show up and effectively do nothing other than piece together what's happening, give us a narrative of what's going on in this particular situation, and then leave after everybody else is dead. It just, mm -hmm. it was very much in that vein. And that has never set well with me with horror frank rock everything else about horror frank rock is great but that's never set well with me so when this one turns out to be the same way and not only that is with my favorite doctor and my favorite companion then i just it it bothered me a little bit that it came to that but this is another one where i really felt like the story carries you along so well that i'm a little forgiving of the ending ending leaving it that way but uh i'm a little forgiving of that because because of that it's it's very equivalent to you know I, and i'm a champion of horror fang rock like everybody else i love that story and um i don't mind 
the occasional darker turns where the, they show up and nothing they do is effective that everybody gets off to anyway and it's up to these two to be the the, the saviors and defeat the Rutan or whatever it happens to be in uh, you know story of the week I think where this one maybe falls down just a little bit is the fact that it's predestined yeah that the yeah. doctor knows oh nobody survived the ship was found adrift with nobody on board that everybody was dead well see you later I mean the, the, well, he might as well have left because there was nothing they could have done at that point and if you're going to give me that, well, let me let me root for something. Right, let, let me, right. you know, give me somebody to to get out of it that the doctor can maybe change that one thing. You know, give and, me Pompey. I sort of ex <laughs> I sort of expected that to happen because of the fact that the doctor knew that this was predestined, and the story even goes a step further by giving us the uh, American Beauty. Uh, you know. I'm 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 dead, you know, <laughs> by telling by showing us the ship when the the rescue crew comes upon the ship, it's the ship, it's the end of this story or yeah. later after this story has happened. So he's they he's already telegraphed to us that every, nobody on this ship makes it, and so that even cements more of the predeterminedness of this when the doctor and and Sarah shows up and he realizes that you know what what happens here he knows what happens here so. I guess I, I viewed it a little differently, and while it is a predestined situation and kind of similar to Fang Rock, I don't feel like the Doctor and Sarah don't do anything because they stop the Dybbuk from spreading beyond this boat, just well, a, as they kind of stop the Rotan from invading the rest of Earth. Well, that's a good you point. Know, yeah, I had it, considered it's, that. It's, it's still the situation. Yeah, they don't help anybody that we're encountering, but they're still stopping a bigger picture situation from happening. That's a good point. So in I'll that aspect, you. I liked it too. I'll give you that. No, again, I, 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 I don't, I don't take anything away from the story because again, the, 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 the width and depth of these people being able to, I, I was really impressed with just about all of the stories with how well they captured the voice of these, mm -hmm. uh, of these characters. And this was so, Elizabeth Slayton and Tom Baker, and very Hinchcliffe. So, so very much them, and yes, very yeah. much the, the yeah. Hinchcliffe trappings of uh, of the early the Hammer Horror style. Which if you're going to do a Tom Baker story, you got to do a Hammer Horror style. It's just, you, know, <laughs> you could do a Douglas Adams, but why? You you, you could do it. You could do a, a Hammer Horror. Yeah, yeah. I was a little surprised it wasn't in the dog. I thought briefly that we. I, I was with you, Gwen. I, I kind of knew who. The thing. Yeah, I thought maybe we'd get a, a nod to the thing, but uh, I thought otherwise I was like, yeah, I, no, it's this guy. <laughs> I had it between two. I I thought Professor. I was pretty certain, but I also thought it could have been Gibson. I I really kind of thought, okay, it perhaps it is Gibson because he's sometimes he's not there when I think he should be because he's off getting somebody or conveying somebody else but uh, there was a, at one point that I just really thought that's got to be the professor because he's the one that's in the room when this happens so although I suppose Gibson was in the room when the first guy did it so alright let's move on to something at the end of the lane a tale of the first doctor by Kevin Mason <sighs> I'm going to let somebody else start because I have only 
one reservation about this story, and I'll talk about it after you guys have given your reviews. Well, I think I would have liked the story had they not started it where it made it seem like it was their actual departure. Like if... You mean getting home? Yeah, like like them getting home departure. Like, because it feels like it should be, oh, that's the beginning, or that's the end of, I'm blanking on the name of that story now. The Chase. Yeah, The Chase. But it kind of takes a turn, and it's not, it feels kind of like a cheat in the fact that it isn't. I feel like they should have said it, like, further in the future or further in the past. Like, they were just, just off enough, but it comes across like it's still, like, 66. So it's... That's my biggest complaint of it. The the idea of them walking down this alley with everybody and time causing issues and this parasite that's feeding on the time energy left behind from them leaving. That's a, that's a cool idea. I just... Having it f- framed around them their departure from the TARDIS. I just, I don't know, part of that didn't set well with me. Hmm. Well, I, I'll, I'm going to jump in front of Sean then because I, I, I doesn't sound like he thinks the same thing. I agree with you 100%. This is exactly what I was going to bring up. Is I'll, I will just echo everything that you said. I won't restate that, but I will add to it that it almost makes that jubilant scene at the end of the chase with the montage of just that joy that they're experiencing, that they're home. It almost cheapens that because, mm-hmm. yes, this where they end up wasn't technically home for them, but it just, if, if you were already sort of there and you got that close, it almost feels like it it may not have been as jubilant or exciting when they finally do get home at the end of the chase. And so I think it kind of cheapened that a bit for me. Yeah. And I think it, that something like that could have been resolved if we didn't have that long, Oh, well, let's go have coffee as a goodbye. sort yeah. of situate right. the, 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 the long drawn out goodbye. Had they shown up, wait, is this 1960? Wait, what's going on over there? That doesn't seem right. And jump straight into the what's, strange what's wrong yeah 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 that this isn't this is our time but it's not right that would have made things i think a little easier to swallow i agree what do you think sean i don't disagree with you guys um i starting this one it felt a little chaotic with the time frame because there was some legit confusion on my part as to is this story meant to be set within that section of them leaving but i couldn't make the you know it, it, it was it was just different enough that it wasn't lining up right and so i had to kind of set that aside and go okay no this is this is a, a this is a different attempt to get them home and then we get into the bleed through from other timelines which was very interesting and and i thought very well handled um with uh, these ghostly images coming back uh into the past and then we get to the very cool idea of the time parasite. That was nifty. I loved yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And then 
there's this kind of jubilant moment at the end where we were there, we we were almost home, we touched it. We'll get back there again. And that to me, that line was kind of what allowed the smoothing over and 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 the return to jubilation for when they get there in the chase. Because they're they're kind of it's not just the jubilation that we made it, it's the jubilation that we were right. We had faith in the doctor and he did get us home for real. So I that that was where I kind of connected those dots. And so and maybe it's just because I love Ian and Barber so much that I <laughs> they they pushed my happy button, so I was happy with it. Um but uh, well, and I did I did love the idea that they chose to leave instead of the doctor choosing for them this yeah. time. Yeah. That they got to choose to save the world essentially instead yeah. of staying behind and being home. I did like that. Because it's 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 such an Ian and Barbara thing that they would do. Yeah. You know, it, it's yeah, come on, let's go. It's, it's, there's yeah, we're sad, but we'll get over it. Right. And I thought Ian was so diplomatic about it. He could have stewed. He could have been early season one, Ian, where he's kind of grumpy about the doctor being grumpy. And instead he's like, I have faith. You'll yeah. get us home. Yeah. And that for me, is just kind of, it, it, it soothed it over. And it was, I, I think it kind of gave, in, in, a, in a weird way, I think it kind of gave the doctor a shot of confidence too. Mm-hmm. It, it, it kind of feels like he really fed off of that, which he wouldn't think so from the first doctor. But in, 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 in many ways, the doctor, all the incarnations of the doctor are always seeking the approval, which is why they bring the companions along to show off how brilliant they are. <laughs> and so, you know, that's kind of the, yes, yes, I, I, you have faith in me, therefore I will have faith in myself and we will go and do the thing. Right. And so, I don't know, it just it, it ended on enough of an uptick that I was okay with a couple of bumps at the, at the beginning. Do you collect Doctor Who? Do you have Doctor Who items and you don't know you collect Doctor Who? For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world, tune in to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, a Direction Point Network podcast. I am Larry Van Rusbergen, your host, and I have been collecting Doctor Who for 40 years. With popular features like collection protection and the most outrageous offer, we have a lot of fun. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point Network podcast. All right, let's move on to Consequences, a tale of the Tenth Doctor by James Hornby. I don't remember this one at all. I am struggling with this one as well. This was the one with the... Why don't I remember this one? This was um, the guy who uh, was a child in the street during an attack. Oh. And the doctor saved him instead of his family. His parents, yeah. And then he went out of his way to uh, blame the doctor. Yeah. Well, he's, he's living in this, like, almost constant torment. And I think that this is written in such a way that I think that the author's trying to be sort of poetic with how was his name? Evan was how he was experiencing this, that at times I felt like it was a little, this was, this was another one that I felt that maybe unnecessarily was being a little too uh, descriptive. 
Um, but I think that he's trying, he's, he's kind of trying to paint a surreal picture and how Evan is, you know, living with this torment for so many years. And so I think there's, there, there's, there's something to be said for how he wrote it. It just, it made it very difficult to read and follow for me, to be quite honest, the way that it's done. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I think Evan's meant to come to realize that the doctor really wasn't, is this the one where he ends up, he, he saves his, he, he saves the he saves first him doctor. instead of the family. No, he, he the, the the tenth doctor saves Evan as a child. Yes, and and Evan's upset about it. And it's not until we get to the end of the story that the tenth doctor reveals that it's a timey wimey situation Evan where he had met saved the wrong him. order. Yeah, and so the the from the doctor's perspective, all he knows about Evan is what Evan's been ranting about. Right, right. You saved me instead of my family. Why did you do that? And the doctor doesn't have an explanation for it because for him it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. And so then later he goes back and has to save Evan because that's the decision that's that's been made. Correct. Um, and I liked the story, but I feel like there was a lot. And th- and this is something that I think we we've kind of discussed on the podcast before with bootstrap paradoxes, where this happens, so therefore this has to happen because right. this happened. And any any time we get into those, it, it's it's one of those things where you run the risk of being almost too clever. Yeah. And I think this was one of those instances where there was a lot to try and hang on that one paragraph of explanation about oh we met in the wrong order, this happened first, and you get there and it's kind of like oh okay, but I don't know that that necessarily fixes the inherent struggles that we got to you know to get there if that makes sense yeah no absolutely um it's not that it's a bad story by any stretch of the imagination it's a a good story it just doesn't quite gel i think as well as you know because because of that bootstrap action going on Mm -hmm. but that's that's me i'm kind of soured on the whole bootstrap paradox thing (laughs) right 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 All right, let's move on to The Harvesters, A Tale of the Second Doctor, or <laughs> Doctor Who Meets Aliens, um, by R. R. Morgan. Uh, boy, this last name. Uh, Cryfield, I'm going to say. R. Morgan Cryfield. Um, so R. Morgan here decided that he got the second doctor, so what do you do? base under siege <laughs> and that's well, really all this is the story <laughs> uh, <laughs> i liked it i <laughs> yeah and, and i and i almost predicted that you were going to say that because you are very much i'm the base under siege guy <laughs> you are you're very much the apologist for that entire era being based on scenes for the most part. <laughs> Keith is the, hey, Keith, the 11th doctor's in this. Oh, five stars across the board. <laughs> I'm the, hey, it's a base under siege story. Rock on. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, I don't know. It just, it was a good story. It just felt a little too cookie cutter for me. Um, it felt like it was borrowing tropes and themes from other fiction uh and 
I mean, it all comes together really well. Um, it does do a tremendous job of separating our, you know, characters and making you kind of wondering how, number one, they're going to survive this, and number two, come back together eventually at the end, which they do, yeah. which is done well. Um, but it, it just felt a little tried and true for me, a little too cookie cutter, but it's a good story. I can't, I can't fault him. He still wrote a good story, despite the fact that you're using elements from other things. Now, is I this story it. supposed to be set like the next one after the wheel in space? Because I felt like Zoe wasn't quite right. Like she felt too robotic almost throughout most of the story. Well, if I, not right after, it was very early, for sure. In, I didn't, uh, I didn't get now. that, but that would make sense because she still was very much the uh, scholar, scar, scholarly nerd, <laughs> the mathematician. Yeah aspect uh, of it because i thought he had the voice of the second doctor and jamie down great i just didn't feel like he nailed it with zoe from what i'm used to experiencing zoe anyways i forget have we reviewed wheel in space we did we did but i can't remember what story's next after and i wheel. feel like yeah after wheel uh, and i feel like she kind of drops the mathematician stuff right after wheel. I don't know if I'd go that far. I mean, there's still plenty of evidence that Zoe's in some ways smarter than the doctor. The dominators yeah, is probably she's... the next one, right? And this she's talking about, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. The, Oh, there was, I just had seen a quote that it was, it sounded like it was coming from C3PO more than Zoe. Well, she makes reference to, human interactions or because yeah yeah i know the i know the quote you're talking about and that's what led me to believe that it's still relatively early if it's not the immediate next story it's 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 pretty early on next story (laughs) but she's she's being almost she's being almost more cold and i know you're i get your point she's seems more cold and robotic than she even does in wheel of space to be quite frank yeah it's true She's also very matter-of-fact with some things, too. And then sometimes she's very much in the thick of it. So I, it, she was a little uneven in that way, too. I don't know. That was my only complaint with the story, because I enjoyed it otherwise. Maybe didn't quite get Zoe down, but all the rest of it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, next is A Night in Santa's Workshop, a tale of the Ninth Doctor by Richard Peavers and James Silverstar. Oh, boy. I'm going to take that to mean you did not enjoy this one. I I should have liked it. It's Christmas, but I I don't know. I I think it was the the jumping around of it that didn't sit well with me. Somebody else start. I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the story a lot and uh, how it, 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 it resolved itself. And uh, this idea of these uh, near, I mean, for, for a moment, I thought maybe we were actually dealing with a legit vampire. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, from, <laughs> you, you know me, any excuse to go back to State of Decay. Um, but uh, I, I enjoyed those elements of the story. The 
editing on this one with the jumping back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I feel like that left tough. something to be desired because it, it was such a jarring and you kind of had to kind of keep resetting your brain as to where you were at within the sequence of events. And I don't know that it was needed. I think you could have just told the story linearly. It could have been linearly, been yeah. I agree, yeah. 100%. Yeah, there wasn't any big reveal that was trying to be held back. It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah because anyway. you know everything you need to know about her by page two. And uh, it just... It, <laughs> yeah, know, got it. Yeah. So <laughs> it's funny that you say about the vampire thing, because I sort of, my brain kind of went there as well, because when I first read Carnivore, I read it as uh, Hemivore. And I was like, oh, so this is, you know, and that, that's where my brain went was, you know, um, Curse of Fenric and not, you know, and then I was like, oh, wait a minute, this is carnivore. And then I thought, well, what a generic <laughs> villain name, carnivore. I mean, that's just somebody that eats meat. And yeah, that's kind of what she's doing. But it, uh, I don't know, that was a little too off the nose, too. I mean, come up with a, a crazy name for the, for the, species hey, or whatever. You know, I think it is. I think they are alluded to something as something else later too, but it just I don't know. It, it... Sometimes the Time Lords had off days. You know, like whoever, <laughs> who who was it that named the fly? What's it doing? <laughs> Flying. Yeah, okay, that's good. We'll call it that. Yeah, I mean, good point. <laughs> All right, I'll I'll take your point there. Um it's very much though in the uh, the nature of the ninth doctor to Despite the fact that this is a ravenous species, is it Canlet? Is that what her name was? Her being the last and her spawn being the last. Sort of the Doctor wanting to, even after everything that had happened, the Doctor wanting to preserve that was very much in character with the Ninth Doctor, I thought. Um, unfortunately, well... Uh, I guess depending on how you look at it, fortunately or unfortunately, uh, it doesn't come to fruition, but... Shades of Boomtown. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, sure. Uh, it certainly is. Although, uh, what's her name from uh, Boomtown at least had a little bit of remorse and caring because of her pregnancy. The, or the, or the other gal's pregnancy, but, but the, uh, this gal had, uh, this, this, this guy had no remorse once she was ready just to no. take everything out. She didn't care. She well, just, you know, from, she, the survival of her, of her species was pretty much right. it. When, when, whenever I read something that has, and it comes up frequently with vampire lore. And, and uh, I don't know if it's a line from a movie that stuck with me or if it's just, I've kind of always had to put myself into that mindset because they're presented as pure evil. And yet, from the, the, the carnivore's point of view, you are debating with cattle. I mean, that, that's, 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 that's the way she looks at it, is, you know, it would be the same as if we were to go into a field and have a discussion with hamburger. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> at what point do you just not care about having that discussion because you want a hamburger? And, and she's kind of right there. So there's a certain pass in some ways that some of these... Uh, uh, carnivorous uh, parasitic creatures kind of have to get just because and and i thought the doctor did a good job of pointing that out you know it's in their nature she's going about it the wrong way we can uh-huh. take you to this planet and do this and she's like that's not that's not living that's me eking out an existence and you know that you can debate the ethics of that until till the cows come home but i i thought she made a compelling argument in some regard 
for <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, nah, no, nah, man. No, nah, I'm just going to do my thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but other, right. other than the editing, I thought it was good. <laughs> All yeah. right. Next is uh sepulchred skull, uh, soul, a tale of the seventh doctor by James Silverstar. And this, I was actually getting parts of this. I conf- think it's Sylvester. Did I say, oh yeah, James you said Silver Star. Sorry, you mentioned it that is, on the last one. It is Sylvester. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. It's just James Sylvester. I don't know why I read that as Silver Star. It is James Sylvester. Um, it's probably because I was so worried about getting sepulchred wrong. Um, <laughs> I'm the, that I am impressed with. That's one of those words <laughs> I looked at and my brain just went nope. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> moved on. <laughs> I I, th- I think isn't isn't a sepulcher like a burial ground or a burial? I, 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 I that's what I that's what I took it is what it meant. Um, this is the one I was, I was actually getting this confused. I was, I was getting earlier when we were talking about that 10th doctor story, I had taken and supplanted the end, the revelation of the end of this one with that one. And so I'd gotten myself a little confused until we got back on track. Uh, you guys got me back on track on, on memory, remembering this. This is the one where there's a, it's a, this one. The other one is too, but this was another one of those ones that I felt was very much written in a way that it was being a little too descriptive in order to kind of maybe hide what's really happening here. And although I think it's I think it's revealed a little early on, or at least I suspected that the grandfather and the do- and the uh, the girl were the first doctor and Susan. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not overtly stated, but I think I kind of suspected that's who they were and that this was the seventh doctor looking back on something that happened to him in the past. Um, so that, that didn't come as much of a surprise, but this was another one that I thought was just a little too, a little too over descriptive of what, what it needed to be. And I think it could have had a little simpler approach to the story, but it also feels very much like this author is channeling uh, a lot of the style of writing from the, and I know you guys don't have a lot of experience, but with the the Virgin New Adventures, uh, the Seventh Doctor trying to kind of approach it with sort of a, uh, a mysterious front and kind of not let you know what's really going on until much later when you have to kind of, kind of piece together what's happening here. And so this is very much in the, the vein of that. So I appreciate it for that because I have, I have appreciated some of that stylized writing in those books. Uh, but on the flip side, I really felt that the, he was getting a little, a little far too descriptive and, and muddled in some of the, 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 the ways he was presenting things. Yeah. He may have been a little overly, descriptive but i think it's also kind of a a fairly simple story um that leads to making you want to be over a little more descriptive to make it a little bit longer yes if you if you kind of cut out a little bit of those descriptions it's going to be a lot shorter of a story and so i didn't mind the descriptiveness of it because it also helps you helps instead of saying that's the first doctor and Susan. It goes, right. Oh, is that, is it not? And well, it's meant to mask that, uh, revelation. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting that you confused this with the 10th doctor story momentarily, because 
structurally they are very similar. They, yeah. they, they, they both deal with an event that happened that had to happen, but we can't talk about it until we get to the point where, you know, we are now uh -huh. in order to solve the problem. Um, and I don't know, maybe I, I, I enjoyed the story a lot. It made me wish that I had come off of Curse of Fenric a little more recently than whenever the last watch through I did of that one was. Uh -huh. Because I feel like I probably missed a, a lot of the descriptors that, that 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 you're complaining about. I think we're probably there to set the the, the tone and recapture the the atmosphere of Fenric. I and I feel that's like true. maybe if you know going back to it as a sequel, um, I think maybe that would help. If I if I if I had gone back and, and rewatched it and then read the story, that would have been like, a, okay, I see where he's going now and and. Again, I liked the story a lot. Yeah, um, and I loved his portrayal of Ace. Yeah, Ace absolutely. was the kind of the mm -hmm. the anchor. Yeah, that that totally made this thing work. The portrayal and and again the the, the voice. Well, and and her honesty, her her yeah, her steadfast honesty that you you know he he needs to know he needs to understand sort of thing. I thought was was really unique and very cool. It definitely had that feel of last season and new Virgin New Adventures. I, I'm glad you said that about Fenric because I think you're right. I think that that's what this was trying to invoke was that same sort of atmosphere and 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 um, style that we were getting in you know near the end, and all the much more reason why I appreciate the fact that Ace was pushing the Doctor to be honest with this guy because it was. She, look at her having been sort of in the same situation where she was sort of the subject of manipulation in mm -hmm. those stories. And now she doesn't want somebody else to be reliving sort of that mystery of what it was all about. And so she's she's saying you have to kind of you have to tell him you have to be honest with him about what's happening here. So, yeah, no, I, I, I like the story. I thought it was good. Um but yeah, I, I think there was just, I, I think I'm going to give it, I'm, I, you guys have talked me out of it. I think that the over-descriptiveness those probably sets the mood for the story. And it's probably, this one's probably, it was very necessary. Yeah, I would think so. All right. And then a motion quotant, a tale of the 13th Doctor by Rob Nisbet. This one I thought had a very clever idea behind it, but I don't feel like they stuck the landing as far as why all of this kicks off well like, like why she f was able to freeze time I didn't feel like they kind of thoroughly explained that well enough or did I just miss something well no I, I this is the one with a girl who's weren't they in like some sort they were sort of an accident or something right and they she's like kind of frozen in time the doctor's trying to figure out this whole time of why uh she's time locked or whatever and the the mother who has that some i don't know this one was weird it had it had the the, the corporation that she was like trying to create robots who were basically in her image kind of thing and she it was almost like it was like there was this disconnect between the daughter and the mother until this happens 
the daughter becomes time frozen and then they sort of build up the <laughs> they sort of build up the company around her don't they yeah a little bit well they're still trying to well, and, and the doctor provides a lot of stuff to allow the robots to be built further right right uh, but and, and giving them emotion and yeah that, that it's another bootstrap paradox because it's the 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 TARDIS encounters this cloud thing that's what it that was disrupts the oh, systems yes. that's what and it was. So they go down and they find the girl who's now time locked and, and stuck and frozen in time and so while they're trying to figure out what is wrong or how she became stuck uh as it were um one of the company's mainstays is, you know, the social media, the phones, the uh, tablets, and yeah. putting an intelligent AI into that right, so that right. you have a way of interfacing with it that feels very natural and becomes intuitive. That, that, was, that was the big word. They, they used intuitive several times throughout there. So as the doctor begins tinkering and comes up with this emotion quotient uh, using a piece of TARDIS crystal, in the design specs for when she's, uh, you know, putting things together, the AI gets to the point 23 years down the road where it is intuitive. And it's kind of the ultimate joke of, well, what if you could just tell Google, I wish I could do this. And Google would go, oh, okay. And find a way to make that happen. That's what this thing yeah. does. When right. the girl's going, stop, 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 stop. I just, you know, I wish I could, and she does. She reaches right. out to the, you know, to the cloud and it intuitively goes, okay, and does it because it has that piece of the TARDIS in it. Right. That allows her to to be frozen. And the whole shebang hinges on the idea that she's going to talk to her mom about the fact that she's pregnant. And right. she's yes. worried about, right. you know, the, the, the disapproving look that mom's going to give her. Which the doctor, I thought that was obvious right off the bat. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. Just as soon as she was going on about how this conversation was going to take place, in my mind, it was either well, you're you're coming out, or mm -hmm. you're pregnant. Or Those you're are pregnant. kind of the yeah. two options. Those are yeah. two options, yeah. And um, when the guy sneaks into the thing and then gets chased off by security, that for me cemented it. It's like, okay, she's pregnant. That was the boyfriend right. come to right. check on her. The problem that I have with this, this is a great story, but the problem that I have with this is we get to the 23 years down the road and the doctor makes the revelation that, oh, yeah, I didn't think about it because I scanned and two heartbeats is normal for Time Lords. She's yeah. got two heartbeats. She's pregnant. And we take her out of the thing and, uh, you know, because she has now reached the point where intuitively the machine knows that mom has reached a point where she's going to be okay with this and they can have this conversation. So she gets out. And they, they, they go in to have this, this talk. 23 years. That's the problem frozen. I have with this. She was frozen for 23 years. Mom yeah. is now old. Yeah. Mom's dead, isn't she? She's no, she was, she was AI. Well, she, she was the, uh, the assistant that walked her up to the office to talk to the Oh, robot. yeah, that's right. That's right. So she, she, she is now old. She's 23 years older. And one can only presume that the boyfriend is completely out of the picture. <laughs> and how unfair is that? That the dude was willing to sneak into this secured facility to check on her. He obviously cared about her. He was concerned. But we're just going to write him out of the story. And he doesn't get to be involved in... I mean, it's 23 years later. He probably... Well, we don't know what happened after. Life, and, you we know, don't know we what don't happened know. after. He, she, maybe she went to contact him. Run him down. 
for 23 years yeah. and now you know that the, they, they it's well, that's a good point yeah he, he's he's gonna be 23 years older than she is now so i don't see how that family dynamic couldn't work if she did it just left me with a lot of but what about kind of questions <laughs> when yeah, i got yeah. to the end and so i don't think the resolution worked for me i liked the story beyond that and yeah. it just seems like especially the tinkering that's just something that the 13th doctor in particular would you know oh yeah you, you needed help setting your clock radio on your vcr so <laughs> i built you an imax theater you know it's, it's that level of what <laughs> that she would just kind of go off and do the thing so right right yeah no that's a good point i just the the for some reason the 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 time difference or the the time, the length of that didn't really kind of set with me until you just kind of pointed that out. And I was like, that's a good point. It's a little bit, that doesn't, that doesn't set well with me now either. Yeah. That's the, that's the only thing that I don't like about it yeah. is that it's like, okay, so we're just going to go from here. You have a time machine. You could take her home. <laughs> <laughs> go back 23 years. <laughs> you, could, you could fix this now that mom knows what's coming, <laughs> you know, but, Okay, I guess we're going to go with this. <laughs> and then finally, <laughs> finally, Old Acquaintances, A Tale of the Eighth Doctor or Somebody Who Was Not Happy With How They Left It in the Movie <laughs> uh, by Hamish Copper. <laughs> Hamish, I, I would like to take this opportunity to, on behalf of all of us here at Traveling the Vortex to thank you for this story. <laughs> A hearty handshake you deserve. Um, <laughs> well, this is, it was bold. It was, it was very, a very bold movie the way it just the, it, taking all of the things that, so, oh, it, it's almost like somebody said, you know, there's a lot of loose ends that need to be tied up here. <laughs> <laughs> and they thought, this is my opportunity to do that. <laughs> for, for, for every single time that we've wondered, how, how did the master get out of the Iron Harmony? <laughs> This guy went, I know how he did it. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you. Um, the, the, I, I, I don't know about you guys. Saving the best for last. Yeah. This yeah, one was fantastic. And I know we're all big fans of the Eighth Doctor. We're all big fans of the TV movie. So maybe there's a little bit of glossing over and the nostalgia button being pushed. And I don't care. <laughs> I loved yeah. this story. <laughs> <laughs> Even so far as to, you know, answer question C or what? Yeah. I just, Even all of the... just on all of that. Yeah. The amount of detail he goes into for this story. And Grace. Yeah. You know, getting amazing Grace back. And well, I love the fact that the, the, the guy, I can't think of his name, but the the former guy is kind of sniffing around again, going, well, maybe we should oh, do this. Uh, Brian, uh, Brian, was that his name? Is it yeah, Brian? Brian. And she's just kind of rolling her eyes. And then she gets this note in her handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> Would you excuse me a moment? I love it. I love it. Well, and, and I, the grace early on second guessing whether she made the right decision. I yeah. think to, to, to not stay with the doctor, I thought was interesting. Because how could you not? Right. I mean, how could how could you? I mean, we we've often talked about the people who don't go. 
Right. And you just, how could you wake up the next day and be satisfied with that decision? Am I really going to do amazing things? Yeah. But there was just some, and I, I love, I love exploration of the TARDIS stories. Yep. And so we got that. Um, Lysandra. Getting, getting, uh, <laughs> getting, getting Lysandra. The, 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 the time lady who at one point encounters the master and I thought she was there, and I think maybe this was part of it. I thought she was there to recruit him to help with the time war. Yeah. Because she makes mention of that, that we need people like you. And I thought, wow, is this just all a ruse to come collect the masters so that they can use him in the in the time war? And she's certainly there for more than just that but i when she when she got to that point and had that conversation i thought wow this is just like yeah we're just we this is how they wanted him for the time war they wanted him they wanted all hands on deck basically mm-hmm. now i confess to not being as well versed i had to go and look this up the alternate eighth doctor that appears in one of the the, the divergent timelines apparently is a comic uh, version and Glenn, you probably are are nodding your head going, "Yeah, I know all about this." I, I don't know all about it, but I, I yeah, no, I I'm fam- I'm I'm vaguely familiar. Yes, there is a comic image of this other Doctor with the goatee, and he does kind of look like Paul McGann. Yeah, but... yeah. <laughs> the Eighth Doctor's uh, all the... <laughs> he's Coming he's about soon as... to traveling yeah. the vortex. He's about as chaotic <laughs> as Ace's timeline, to be honest with you. <laughs> Anyway, yes. So back to this story. <laughs> uh, but it, it 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 gave me it gave me hope that the seed is planted for you to finally write the 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 combination of all the different ninth doctors story that you keep threatening. <laughs> right, right. Because I, I feel like there's a springboard idea here for how that would work. Yeah, yeah. With this, this uh, with this divergent time, but. Man, I love that story. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, definitely the best of the box. Yeah, and and we get a companion that the doctor hasn't met yet and will never meet, which I think was an interesting concept on that as well. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. How, how do you feel about story. the kiss at the end? Um, I wasn't surprised by it. I was. I'm I don't think either. I was either, and. <laughs> Probably be because this author was writing a love letter to the movie and, and tying up loose ends and really felt like he got it. You know, it's like so many people complain about they complain about the, uh, you know, half human on my mother's side. They complain about the, the kiss. They complain. It really felt like he sort of got it. You know, I think he's I think he's in the same camp as us that. There's nothing wrong with a lot of that, you know. It's just, yeah. No, I was fine with it. I was completely fine with it. I there, I expected. I don't know what I, I read it, and there was a part of me that wanted to. I don't know how to put this. Like, I think a part of my brain expected part of my brain to be outraged and upset <laughs> by it. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Like, oh, what a cheap shot that you're going to go back and have them snog again. 
And the rest of my brain was like, shut up. You don't feel that way. You're totally okay with it. And I love the fact that when uh, she calls him out on it early, just like, well, you've been cavorting and doing all this stuff. He goes, oh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I think she did too. Yeah, just, just so very matter of fact. And again, I could hear Paul McGann delivering these lines in in that snark and just, man, this story was so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, you, you occasionally... You, you do things, and again, my hat's off to you, sir, because you, you sometimes you read things and you go, man, I wish I'd have written that. Yeah. yeah. This is one of those. I, mm-hmm. Man, I wish I'd have written this. <laughs> That's how good it is. Or even just came up with the idea of it. I mean. Yeah, warm butterflies. Agreed. Uh, overall, pretty good collection of stories. Um, there wasn't anything in here I hated. Uh, I thought the... Uh, the authors in this really feel like they, uh, Keith and I were talking about this a little bit before. Everybody did a really good job with this book. and er, But it does feel like a lot of new authors. It feels like a lot of people getting their feet wet for the first time. And it feels like a lot of people that, that are early in their, their writing careers. Um, but that does not in any way diminish uh, the stories in here and how well they're done. And not to mention the... Uh, incredible uh, uh charity you know the the, the the this being a work of charity uh for and you'll have to remind me who this uh this i suppose we should mention yeah. that uh, uh all proceeds from the sale of this book go to settled uh settled is an independent charity uh that is providing free and trustworthy information advice and support in different languages to eu citizens in the uk as the UK leaves the European Union, EU citizens must make an application to stay in the UK. Settled helps ensure that those citizens will gain settled status and to respond to the difficulties that they face. So uh, directly dealing with the fallout of Brexit, as it were. But uh, anytime you're doing something for charity, it's, it's, it's a worthwhile, worthwhile endeavor. Absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. And this is, uh, again, we should mention, it's still available uh, through the... Uh, uh, Pencil Tip Publishing website, along with Temporal Logbook 1 and 2, I believe you can still get as well, um, which I was not involved with, so I don't know if that colors your perceptions any. Uh, (laughs) Boy, his ego was in check the whole time until just now, wasn't it? Until just then, right? (laughs) You are invited on an adventure across all of time and space. In a completely random order, it's the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Goldbranson, Asad Khashki, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire Who-niverse. On Shuffle, the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to Traveling the Vortex. All right, well, Sean, I'll put you on the spot here. If you can remember what's coming up on the schedule. It's been so long. What were we reviewing? <laughs> oh, yeah, The Eighth Doctor. Um we're going to delve back into our uh, our year long look, which has become this year plus year <laughs> plus look uh, at the time war, and uh, so we'll be doing um, the, the 
Big Finish's The Time War 3, a box set of stories, followed by Time War 4 and Short Trips, A Heart on Both Sides, uh, which technically is uh, 7.9. It's incredible to me to think that there's that many seasons of Short Trips out there. <laughs> just get our toes into those. Yeah. So much more stuff to review. I think there's uh, more than seven. And then uh, we will finish off with Classic Doctor's New Monsters, Day of the Vashti Narada, uh, along with uh, kind of recapping a few other stories from that line that we've already reviewed. Right. Uh, and that will carry us through the end of Act 2 of the Time War. All right. Well, you had, a, you had a comic that you were going to throw in there at some point, too. It's not on the schedule, but I don't remember now what it was. So, Oh, no, we had talked about, uh, it, it just came out, but we talked about next year reviewing the... Uh, um, the comic that continues the it picks up right after Power of the uh, Daleks or Power of the Doctor uh, with the Fourteenth Doctor. It's uh, in the new, latest Doctor Who magazine. Oh, and okay. It, it's it it's appears to be ongoing as well for a while. So it looks like this wasn't the the first installment. It looks like there's going to be a few more installments before we get to the sixtieth anniversary. So this looks to, it appears to me that this is bridging the gap between. Uh, power of the doctor and the first 60th anniversary special that we'll get next year so uh yeah obviously we'll we'll put that on the schedule at some time in our lead up to the 60th anniversary but that'll, that'll still be down the road it seems like just yesterday we were getting excited over the 50th i know or <laughs> that's doesn't true it? it doesn't seem like it's been all that long ago all right, well, you can still find us at our website, travelingthevortex.com. If you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? You can do that by becoming a patron and click on that patron link on our website. Consider supporting us. We uh, uh, appreciate all of those who are already supporting us, and we are doing our best to uh, churn out some uh, special materials that uh, is exclusive to our patron uh, supporters. So uh, be on the lookout. More is coming soon, we promise. Also consider giving us a five-star v- review wherever you subscribe to the podcast. It helps bump us up in the ratings and recommendations. And, of course, make sure you join in the conversation as our listeners forum on Facebook. Anything else that uh, we need to touch on before we close this one out? If not, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. And I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point! Direction point! A Doctor Who Podcast Network.